T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hi, and welcome to Off the Menu. I'm Lisa Endicott, president of Endicott PR. And on today's episode, I'll be having a conversation with Stephen Piles, chef, restaurateur, philanthropist, cookbook author, and Dallas favorite. So I have a very, very special guest joining us today, Chef Stephen Piles, author, chef, restaurateur, philanthropist, and a dear friend. Thank you for joining us, Stephen. You're welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. So we can't talk about the 25th anniversary of Restaurant Week in Dallas-Fort Worth without reflecting on the many concepts that really put Dallas on the map. Um, you know, heralded in D Magazine, Texas Monthly, some of the greatest moments of the past 25 years came from you, Stephen. And, you know, we have this large migration of people coming to Texas that have never lived here before. So for, for our most of our listeners that want to reminisce, and for those that would love to learn about Dallas's culinary history, can you tell us a little bit about your first foray into restaurants and then kind of take us through, maybe talk about the decades, um, you know, what you've created. Decades, that makes me feel old. <laughs> and and it's, it's true. Uh, well, I've created, let's see, let's start at the beginning. I, I, I really, I've created 23 restaurants in six cities, not just Dallas, over the past 35 years or so. Uh, but the ones that matter to me most obviously are Dallas. Um, and, and, uh, I kind of helped put Dallas on the map. I would say I've been told I've read, uh, with Ruth street cafe, which opened in 1983. And, uh, it really was kind of ground zero for, uh, a little movement that, uh, was created by a number of chefs, uh, called Southwestern cuisine. And, um, uh, there, there was a two, three of us in Dallas, uh, uh, Robert Del Grande, uh, Dean Faring was at the mansion then, and myself. And uh, we sort of collaborated and, and helped found this uh, particular kind of American regional cuisine that didn't exist before. It was, uh, in fact, the only regional cuisine that I'm aware of in America that was actually kind of created by chefs, at least the style that, that we brought to Southwestern cuisine, which was... Uh, you know, we were all kind of French trained and, uh, uh, and, and but we were using these local ingredients. You know, I certainly, I'm a fifth generation Texan. So I, I always was kind of 
closet with throwing the jalapenos and the cilantro and all that in my in, in the French cuisine. So uh, when I was kind of hard pressed to explain what the hell is southwestern cuisine, especially in the eighties, I would say, imagine a cross between French and Mexican. So they kind of got it then. So that was uh, Ruth Street Cafe and Baby Ruth. And, uh, and then I did two up north in Minnesota with a business partner up there uh, that were reflective, actually, of uh, uh, the ones here in Dallas. Uh, brought um, uh, Southwestern cuisine, spicy cooking to Minneapolis, certainly, in the, in the mid-'80s. So that was interesting to see that sort of sort of see them liven up the palates. Um, and then, um, you know, Baby Ruth was really important because it really sort of uh, was the beginning of uh, really kind of casual dining, but on a very creative upscale level at a, you know, a certain price point. And it really was uh, created in, um, in response to, folks who loved Rooster Cafe, but couldn't afford it all the time or couldn't get in. It was a very hard restaurant to get into. So Baby Ruth was an important restaurant. And then um, in the 90s, I'm going to just keep going. Yeah. So in the 90s, so so it's interesting. I I think I had these restaurants in each decade. The 80s was sort of important, as I said, uh, for Rooster Cafe, the grounding, the founding of Southwestern cuisine. Um, in the nineties, I opened uh, star Canyon and that was, that was obviously a big hit and uh, a real milestone, I think in Dallas restaurants. And in there, I created something I call modern Texas cuisine or new Texas cuisine. And my first cookbook was new, the new Texas cuisine. So I kind of, I kind of started the word modern Texas and that was, that was what star Canyon was about. And then I opened a fish restaurant called Aquinox and, um, and then Star Canyon, we took to three cities, Las Vegas and, and Austin, in partnership with Carlson Restaurants Worldwide. They actually bought my restaurants, and we, I did work for them for about four years. And uh, then took some time off and um, opened in the, in the 2000s, uh, Stephen Piles. Uh, was kind of a pioneer by going downtown into... Uh, into the arts district. Uh, there were no restaurants down there at the time and uh, next door to the museum. So that had a nice long run. And then in that period, I opened um, a little restaurant called Samar, which was uh, kind of a blend of my, it was interesting. We're going to get to travels here in a minute, but um, it was sort of reflective of my travels. You know, I, I love India, I love the Middle East, and I love Spain. I'm, 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 Spain is my second home. I'm there so much. And so this was a sort of a, a combination of those cuisines and cultures. It was all tapas. So it was very interesting um, to do those cuisines together. They work together well. And, uh, and then opened uh, a sort of, a, it was a little, little bit of an answer or a, or a, a a response to the absence of Star Canyon that had since closed, and it was called Stampede 66. So that that was open for a period of time, and, and uh, that was modern Texas cuisine as well. And then uh, in the what what are the what is this decade called? Or no, no, we're in another decade now. The 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 teens, the the twenty teens, I guess. I opened. Um, uh, Floor Street Cafe, which was uh, 
uh, at one time, the only uh, five-star restaurant in Dallas, according to the Dallas Morning News. So it was, uh, it was, was a fun run. So for those keeping score at home, I think it's fun to, with what you've shared, your first restaurants were in that, what we would call the Uptown Corridor. And then we moved, Star Canyon was at the well-known intersection of Cedar Springs and Oak Lawn um, in the Centrum. So people that are, you know, driving by, I think it's interesting to know where these were. Um, Let me just interrupt. I'll tell you yeah. something interesting, and that is that when I first opened, was going to open Ruth Street Cafe, um, I had folks saying, "Oh, I don't think you want to rest. You want to open a restaurant here? There aren't this. This is, you know, maybe you want to go like north to Mockingbird, where there was all the good restaurants. That's not not Mockingbird. Well, that too, but uh, Lovers and Inwood was kind of the the capital of the restaurant hub at that time. And uh, it actually is. I'm. I don't think it even had the name Uptown then, uh, but but uh, you'd be hard pressed for someone to say, "Oh, you don't want to rest open a restaurant in Uptown now because it's it's absolutely the best place in town." But uh, that's how long I guess I've been around because uh, I was advised not to open it there because it was probably not a good location at the time. So, uh, but yeah, then the Centrum was uh, a little. Uh, you know, people questioned that. And then certainly um, uh, going downtown, they said, oh, I don't know if you want this is like, you, yeah, I know you're a pioneer and all that, but there's nothing down there. So I enjoy being a step ahead and taking a chance and a risk. And then Aquinox would be the Knox, mm-hmm. the Knox Henderson corridor. So that Knox Travis mm-hmm. neighborhood um, has mm-hmm. always been a, a retail and restaurant uh, hub. Close, mm-hmm. close to Highland Park. So you've, you've uh, made these areas hot. And I, would it be fair to say in the 80s that around Ruth Street Cafe was the gallery district? Yeah, absolutely. Ruth Street was uh, art galleries. Absolutely. That was okay. the gallery district. Okay. Okay, great. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
So another way to look back is to talk with you, Stephen, about your special friends in the industry. Um, I know one of those for both of us is Dottie Griffith, who had In the Kitchen with Dottie on KRLD. And we recently lost Dottie and it was, you know, way too soon. But can you share with everyone? I know many people read her reviews uh, or read her cookbooks. Can you share with us just some some special memories of Dottie? Oh, gosh, where do I start? Uh, you know, Dottie was kind of the alpha and the omega of uh, the Dallas restaurant scene, the culinary scene, for sure. She was uh, uh, the most admired and respected, I think, food journalist, uh, certainly of this uh, part of the United States. Um, for as long as I can remember, she was she was the food editor for so many years, and she's done um, so many wonderful cookbooks. I had the pleasure and the honor of uh, writing several forwards for her. And uh, we were always um, good friends, uh, great colleagues. She was just fun, but uh, really insightful. And people, it was interesting, the um, food critics and food writers from national magazines would never come to Dallas and sort of start snooping around on restaurants to review without calling Dottie. I mean, she really was ground zero. Um, I know that uh, anytime um, like uh, Esquire magazine, for example, would do their top 20 best new restaurants in America, um, Dottie was always front and center with suggestions of what's hot and what's, what's, what's not. Um, she was, uh, interesting that she became, you know, she was the food editor for so long. And at some point, uh, she just decided she wanted to become a critic, the food critic and did and sort of transitioned into that, um, effortlessly. Um, and it was, there's such different positions, as you know, uh, to be the food editor over, um, you know, um, uh, content, um, but not necessarily ever critical. So um, she really, I think, was uh, respected for her expertise and her knowledge. Um, and, um, you know, it was, it was uh, really sad to have lost her um, after so many years. I mean, she left a, 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 a big mark on the Dallas culinary scene. It's, uh, it's not the same without her, I'll say that. She will be missed. And she was a mentor to me as well uh, in writing and grammar. Uh, when I was first starting out, she was so helpful uh, to me and in, in the industry and with clients and will very much miss her. So with Restaurant Week, we wouldn't be having this interview, Stephen, if you hadn't gotten a significant call from someone back in 1997. Why, why is it that we gather every year? Tell us a little bit about how it started. Well, I got this phone call. Uh, God, I can't believe it's been that long ago, 1997, uh, from Jim White. 
um, our dear friend and brilliant uh, journalist and DJ and radio host and <clears throat> festival producer and, you know, on and on. <clears throat> but one of the things that he will certainly always be known for is founding Restaurant Week. And so um, I was aware of Restaurant Week in New York. In fact, as far as I know, that was the only city that it was in at the time. And, and Jim had been there, I believe, and, and gave me a call and said, I have this idea, chef. And I said, what's that? And he said, what would you think of doing um, sort of a big production, a big um, marketing event in August, typically the slowest month for restaurants, right? And I said, absolutely. Uh, that we do something to bring people in, um, such as, Restaurant Week in New York. So I, I did, I said, let me, let me do a little research and call you back. So I researched New York, uh, uh, New York's Restaurant Week. And I thought, okay, that sounds interesting. And um, it seems to me like, let's say it was 1996, that everything that they used that year. And, and so their menu was based or their, one of their items or something was $19.96. So they, they, there was always something clever, you know, to tie in. And so uh, I said, well, you know, and that's probably, I bet we didn't start much more than that because 25 years ago, 1996 would be 30 bucks today. And so uh, anyway, I liked the idea and I said, okay, let's, let's, let's think about it. And he said, will you help me put together some chefs? And I said, yeah, let me call around and see who might be interested. So I, I know I called Dean and, and, you know, the usual suspects of the day, Richard Chamberlain and, and some others. And uh, Dan O'Leary, who was, I think, the chef at the Crescent then. And um, so they said, yeah, OK, you know, what have I got to lose? August, uh, we'll, we'll take the prices down a little, make it uh, make it a make it a deal. And so um, I had just gotten involved, well, not just, I'd been, been about a decade by that point, involved with the North Texas Food Bank. Um, I helped uh, co-found the Dallas Hunger Link, which was the perishable food program in Dallas that worked as a conduit between restaurants and hotels and soup kitchens and ministries and uh, was on the board I'm now a life board member of the North Texas Food Bank. Anyway, I knew that I wanted them to be involved. In, and I don't remember now if he had planned a charity, but I certainly put the bug in his ear and said, what would you think of having the North Texas Food Bank as a charity for this? He loved the idea. And so I have no idea how much we've raised for the North Texas Food Bank. You may have that figured, but it's in the millions, I think. We'll have, we'll have to research that and share yeah, that this year for sure. Yeah, but it's definitely made an absolute impact on the North Texas Food Bank and, and, and uh, the ministries and, the, you know, hunger relief in Dallas has been aided, certainly. Um, so that was kind of how it started. And I was 
involved all that all those many years later it, it grew from i'll bet we didn't have 12 maybe 15 restaurants that first year would be my guess i, I can't imagine it was even 20 and it just became wildly popular and it was in the hundreds and it's expanded to fort worth and and a whole metroplex and so the rest they say is history and probably some of your restaurants that is how a lot of people maybe got to experience them that had never been before um, by attending a restaurant week you know or making reservations for restaurant week so um you know. That's absolutely right, you know, because it was, uh, you know, I, I, let's just say, for example, Stephen Piles in the 2000s, uh, and I'm not even sure what the price is now, but it was $35 for a long time, and that, that included a three-course menu, special three-course menu. Well, the check average was, you know, $55 or $60 for food. And so that was, you know, it was usually about half price. And so um, it really made more sense for the upscale restaurants to be involved in restaurant week than it did the more casual, because if $35 was your check average anyway, what good, what, where was the value there? So uh, that's really exactly how a lot of folks were able to eat at these uh, really high end restaurants was during restaurant week. And, and, it, and, and the thing is, what I remember is that it, I, I called it Christmas in August. It felt like the holidays. You know, it was just like the restaurant was packed for, you know, you could, it was interesting. It started as restaurant week. So seven days. And so we did a week <laughs> and then it got so popular. We said, well, let's expand it and give people the option, give chefs, restaurateurs the option one week or two weeks. Well, now it's three weeks. So it's restaurant weeks if you want that. So it runs three weeks and uh, it's, that's how popular it became was that it had to be expanded. So this year we're at, we've added brunch and they have added a preview week. So it's actually running. Some restaurants are opting to have it run for four weeks. Yeah. I think there was the preview week when I had my last restaurant. So again, it keeps growing in numbers and functionality and I know hunger eradicating hunger and childhood hunger uh, is very near and dear to your heart um, can you just explain where that comes from Stephen sure um, I was uh, kind of a long story but it's interesting I was at the uh, 50 I don't know how old the March of Dimes is today, but, but I, it's probably at least 80 years old. But at the 50th anniversary, and this would have been probably in 86, um, they had a big dinner in Washington, D.C., and I was one of the invited guest chefs. And I was paid a visit by um, two young ladies who were with a group uh, that I'd never heard of called Share Our Strength. And they popped in and said, we're doing this event called Taste of the Nation, and we're going to do it in uh, uh, 10 cities all on the same day. And, and um, the event is called Taste of the Nation. And, and, um, and uh, it, it's, a fun, it's a fundraiser for hunger relief. And so I started thinking about it. And I said, yeah, I'll help. And, I, and so I 
got the other chefs from the some some other cities involved because they weren't really aware of too many chefs so they were just kind of picking my brain actually and so that turned into taste of the nation in 75 cities and then that so we were the so what what long story short we're, we're the largest uh private source of funding for hunger relief in america and uh we started kind of as a a, a response to the ethiopian famine of the mid 80s mm-hmm. and uh and then what we did was eventually look uh, around the country and realized there was domestic hunger and which was in, if you think about it, um, there's always been poverty in America. There hasn't always been hunger the way that, in other words, food banks have only been around for maybe a generation or two, probably 50 years at the most. There weren't food banks before that. So there's a food bank in every city now. So the need is there. And we realized and there was something called in the 80s, uh, the childhood CHIP, Childhood Hunger Identification Project, that um, really highlighted some sort of frightening uh, facts. And and that was that the childhood hunger in America is much worse, I think, than many of us thought. Today, even uh, one in four children is at risk of hunger. So we changed our focus from hunger relief in general to um, kind of specifically, we still do hunger relief in general and food banks, but uh, we're more concentrated now on childhood hunger. And so No Kid Hungry is uh, uh, an event, or we do an event, an annual event here in Dallas that uh, benefits specifically No Kid Hungry. And that a portion of that, you know, it, it's all, I, I say it's all kind of incestuous after a while because the food bank and, and, and No Kid Hungry are not related, but they work with each other. And, and many of the programs that we raise and funds we raise for No Kid Hungry go to, for example, the backpack program or children's uh, programs at the North Texas Food Bank. So we work together closely. So, yeah, they, they, their funds collected fold into the local food banks across the country. So exactly. it's a it's a very important uh, tie-in and relationship. We can say, rest assured that still a dollar, even a dollar, goes a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, and those from yeah. Restaurant Week as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Stephen, many people ask me all the time. How is Stephen? What is he doing? Where Where is Stephen? So fill us in. You have many, many fans and friends out there. Fill us in on what, what have you been doing lately? Well, I decided I wanted to get out of operations. I had a nice long, four decades long, 35 years exactly, to, uh, of running restaurants in Dallas and other cities. And, and, uh, and I... To be real honest, I think I just lost my passion. It was like, I, I love the business, but uh, I wanted to, I had, I had other things I wanted to do. And I wanted uh, a, a good quality of life where I didn't want to be working 12 hours a day. And so I, uh, I've gotten out of operations. I 
um, closed my last restaurant in January of 2020. And it was interesting. I struggled with that in the beginning, thinking, oh, do I really want to do this? And that I'm so identify so strongly with my restaurants and I've always had a restaurant and, you know, well, come March of 2020, I said, wow, that was the best decision I ever made. Um, didn't have to go through the pandemic. So it was really, uh, really good timing, I think, on my part. So people say, don't you miss the restaurant? Don't you miss owning a restaurant? I said, not even that much. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, it was a good run and I loved every second of it, but I'm so happy right now that I uh, don't have to wake up thinking about you know, all the things that you have to as a restaurant owner, as a business owner. And so uh, what I'm doing now is uh, uh, I, I can never get out of culinary. I can never get away from restaurants. So, so I'm a consultant. I have um, a couple of license agreements. And, um, you know, I'm very selective about that. So I don't have more than two or three at a time. And they last for a number of years. And, and it's a good association. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm affiliated with uh, uh, the Buckner Group, which is a, uh, a nonprofit organization that, that is engaged in um, um, everything from uh, health care to orphanages to uh, retirement communities are just a wonderful community to work with. So that's, um, that, that's, that's a, a big part of what I'm doing. And, um, and so I, I get to cook when I want to, and I, and I'm having lots of dinners at my house. That's fun. I actually cook at my house for, for change and I do some client dinners here. So it's not completely away from that aspect of it, but what I'm really enjoying, I think more than anything is, um, you know, it was interesting, uh, Many years ago, my dear friend Wolfgang Pock said, Stephen, whatever you do, try not to let work get in the way of your travels. He always promoted chefs, and I do too. You know, travel when you can. Get, expo get exposure to this culture and that culture. Go to Italy. Go to France. You know, and it's save up your dimes and do it. And so uh, don't let work get in the way of your travels. And, and, I, and I, so I tried not to do that throughout the years. And then he said, and if you can make work your, if you can make travels your work, all the better. Well, it's taken me 35 years, but I've kind of done that. So I take folks uh, on these tours um, uh, to various places around the world four times a year. And uh, it's a group of anywhere from 10 to usually not more than 30. Although we're taking a group next week to the Greek islands and we've chartered a little private yacht. And so uh, there are going to be 40 on that. So that's more than the normal, but typically they're, like I said, about 25 or 30. That's average. And so we do river cruises, we do ocean cruises, we do land packages. You know, we went to Cuba, we just got back from a river cruise from Danube to Bilshoven, Germany through Vienna. And we stop at restaurants along the way, Michelin starred restaurants and uh, all our excursions are sort of culinarily related um, uh, marketplaces. We might do a cooking demo. So it's very, it's, it's a very food and wine savvy sort of focus on these trips. And, uh, we're doing, uh, <clears throat> we typically once a year, we'll do the Mediterranean. Next year, we're doing, uh, I think, Barcelona to Rome. Um, we're doing the Douro River in Portugal. 
we're um, going to do Normandy next year in France. Uh, so we'll probably do Morocco. So it's um, uh, all sorts of uh, fun, uh, fun trips that you can come come along and have good food and wine on and just you know, we have more fun than the law allows. So it's, you know, you can go onto my website and look for the, all the culinary cruises at stephenpiles.com. Just spell Stephen with an A, it looks like Stefan. So I'm curious when people find out you're from Dallas or they know you're from Dallas or Texas, what do they ask you? What's the question that you normally get? Well, it's interesting. Uh, for years, I felt like I was sort of a, 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 an ambassador for Texas because I would um, do all these food and wine events really around the world, but certainly in the United States and major cities. And, and I found that people thought of Texas as being very one dimensional. You know, you must have, you must ride a, ride a horse you must have a oil in your backyard, oil well, you know, it's, it, you know, cowboys and Indians sort of thing. And they think that everything is just uh, sort of desert, I guess. I don't know. But it's interesting of the seven physiographic regions that exist in America, five exist in Texas. So it, it really, our food is, is respond is, is, is sort of reflective of that because uh, it's very, you know, it's not just barbecue, which everybody thinks, you know, barbecue or chicken fried steak. Certainly that's part of it. But, you know, there are as many as uh, 35 cultural and ethnic influences in our cooking and our culture. And so, um, you know, it's very diverse. And so certainly there's Southern there. There's a Mexican influence. There's cowboy range cooking. Um, but you know, there's Cajun Creole and there's Asian. And so it's all, it's, it's, it's a very deep, diverse kind of food. So I think they're surprised to find that out. So again, I feel like I'm a ambassador for Texas food. Well, we're, we couldn't have a better one. We're glad that you're out there singing our praises and hopefully sending people back to, to try out Dallas and Fort Worth restaurants. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We wish you well on your upcoming travels and want to check back in with you as soon as you get back. Thank you so much, Lisa. I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Stephen. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.